Hey, Life Church family, I hope you're having a great morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. My name is Pastor Tim, and I'm so glad you're with us. And I'm Harriet, and we're so glad that you're with us today online. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome, and we would love if you would fill out our online connect card at lifecc.com just to let us know that you are here with us today. That's awesome. Also, we want to pray for you. We really care about what's going on in your life. And so if you would just take a moment today, go to our website, click on the prayer link, give us your prayer request. Our whole staff would love to lift you up in prayer together. Yeah, we love you, church, and we are so glad that you're here, and we hope that you enjoy the service today. God bless. Hey, good morning, church. I hope you're having a great day. I want you to know that we are praying for you. We're praying God is blessing you, protecting you, and strengthening you through this season. So thank you for joining in. Thanks for being online with us. If you're on the live platform with us, would you put in the comment box where you're from? Let us know you're online. I love to go back and read all the comments. Uh, it kind of just makes me feel connected to you, and I love it. So please let me know you're here. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope today's message strengthens you. I hope it blesses you. We pray the Holy Spirit comes and moves through this and really helps us have a right perspective about how to uh, work through these difficult seasons in life. And so today we are concluding our very, uh, I would consider it long sermon series, When Life Gives You Lemons. We've been going through the book of Philippians today. If you're counting, today is part nine. This is the ninth part of this. And so it's been, I think, really helpful. I hope you've enjoyed the series. And so just once again, thanks for being with us. To let you know, in two weeks, we're starting a brand new series. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's called Heaven on Earth. If it's probable in heaven, then it's possible here on earth. And I cannot wait to jump into that series on August 2nd. And so please tune in and be with us through all the weeks. But thank you so much for being here. Today we want to preach through the book of Philippians, the last portion of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 10 through 19. My sermon title today, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I am meant to be content. Contentment. We're talking about contentment today. Uh, in this portion of the letter, Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And he kind of finishes his entire uh, letter to them. And this final concluding part is basically a thank you note that he's writing to this church for the support of his ministry. And so kind of in the middle of this thank you note, the Apostle Paul, as always, is teaching valuable lessons. And today he is teaching us about contentment. And so we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 to begin with. And we're going to learn about contentment together. So chapter, chapter 4, verse 10 says, I rejoice greatly. And understanding Apostle Paul, he is in prison and he is rejoicing in prison. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
Apostle Paul says he's learned the secret of being content. In verse 13, I shifted this to the New King James Version because it's probably the way you memorize it, probably the way you've heard it the most. It's the way I memorized it. But this final verse here says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is probably, in my opinion, the most famous verse for every uh, high school and every college student out there, other than maybe Jeremiah, where, you know, back, what is it, Jeremiah 19.10, I believe. But listen, this has been in so many ways used on coffee mugs, but Paul really isn't talking about your athletic abilities. He's not talking about your education, your career. Uh, Many high school graduates have put this in their yearbook about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's really not about that. What Paul is talking about is that I can go through every situation in life. And Paul lists things like being rich or poor, fed or hungry, prison or freedom. Paul is saying, I can go through all these situations in life, yet still be content, still be joyful, because Christ is empowering me. And so it's about being content through every situation. I think if I were to summarize this section of verses, I would call this Paul's main point, and it's this, that contentment is the secret to a joyful life. Contentment is is the secret to a joyful life. It's the better life. He's telling us that contentment, it's good for us. This is the best way to live life. It's it's the contented life. It's a peaceful life. It's, It's the way we live in joy through all circumstances. To have a contented heart and to have a contented mind is better than living discontented. I like what 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 says. It says, yet truly, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Godliness with contentment is great wealth. Godliness and contentment is the wealth of life. That's where the wealth of life is. It's not in our possessions. Wealth of life can be measured by your enjoyment of what you have. Money doesn't make you, make you wealthy if you're still unhappy. And so contentment is the secret to a joyful life. Now, in order to be sure we're all kind of on the same page together with what contentment means, let me give, this is the Tim Blevins definition of contentment. You would find some other ones in other places, but this one fits for, for what I believe Paul is trying to teach us about contentment. So on your screen, you'll see the definition of contentment, but it means enough for now. Like enough for this season, for this now, enough for now It is the freedom from needing more to be happy. It's the freedom from needing more to be happy. Do you need more to be happy? Contentment is not complacency, though, church. It's it's not settling for less. It's not being lazy and just just settling this is the best it's going to be. Contented people still need to set high goals. We need to still have lofty visions and dreams and even want more for the future. I I think that's important. I think we should be driven and productive and passionate about succeeding in life. Honestly, I think it's okay to still want stuff. This isn't about not wanting stuff. You can go ahead, want all the stuff you want. Go ahead, you can want a new car if you want. I'm fine with that. You can even want a boat. 
And I say that because I want a boat. Um, I had some friends recently that took us, uh, Harriet and I, out on a pontoon boat. And immediately, I wanted a pontoon boat because it was like riding in your living room in the ocean. It was like amazing. It was beautiful. Uh, suddenly, pontoon boat was my want. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having wants. Uh, maybe, maybe you want a spouse. That's awesome. Uh, hey, let me clarify. If you're married, um, you don't want a new spouse. Um, <laughs> that, that's not what I'm saying. If you're not married then you can want a spouse. It's good to want these things. You can want the virus to go away. You can want schools to open. Want, want, want all you want. I'm fine with all you want. It's okay to want things, but it's not okay to lust for things. Lust is when I want something so much that I can't be happy until I have it. I can't be happy until I have it. Lust is when I have to have something and I'm not going to be happy without it. That's what lust is. So let me give you a definition of, of discontentment because that's what it is. Discontentment is I need a little bit more. I need a little bit more. It's, it's needing my circumstances to change before I can be happy. Let me give you some examples of that just to help it make sense for us. Uh, maybe if you've said something like this, I need just a little more money or I need just a little more income and then I'll be happy. I can remember so many times in my life where I have thought, if I just earned another $250, then it would be easier. Then I would be happy. If I just earned about $500 more and, and I've been in that, I just need a little bit more for way too long in my life. That's just a good example of how we think that what's in front of us will make us happy rather than being content with what we have. Another example would be maybe you would think, well, I need a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then I'll be happy. Maybe you have said something like this, I need a new job, and then I'll be happy. Hey, maybe you've said this, I need a new state governor, <laughs> then I'll be happy. Uh, I'm just playing along. Hey, some have said that. Uh, maybe you have said, I need new COVID guidelines and then I'll be happy. Maybe you've thought, I need my spouse, my husband or wife to change and then I'll be happy. Basically what we're saying is, is I need my circumstances to change and then I'll be happy. That's what discontentedness is. It is thinking that something has to change before I'll be happy. Paul said this, though. Paul said, I have learned to be content. I have learned. Look in Philippians chapter 4, 11 with me. Again, Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul said in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And so Paul has learned it. Uh, contentment is learned. It, it's not a skill that we, we are born with. Uh, we learn contentment. It's something we have to train. It's something we have to work at. And so most people, I think, are, are um, needing some education in this area. I need some education in this area. I think I've been back in the first grade for a little while uh, through this coronavirus season. And so maybe I need to learn again and to keep learning how to be content in all of my circumstances like the Apostle Paul. Most people are delaying their joy until everything changes. I know it's been a rough season. I know it's crazy what's going on in our culture. 
There's so many things that are putting pressure on us. And for some reason, in some way, I think even inside of me, I have decided to delay my joy until everything gets better, until things get back to normal. And listen, that's discontentedness. I want to learn to be content. And Paul is teaching us that we can have joy right now, regardless of our circumstances. We can choose joy right now while we work towards the changes that we want. But we can choose joy today. So I want to encourage you, don't beat yourself up if in some way you have been unhappy in your current season, if you've been frustrated about uh, the current circumstances in life, uh, because contentment is learned, and so we can keep learning. We can start from wherever we are today, and we can change the way we see things. We can change our perspective, and we can begin to learn again how we can be contented today. And so I want to take the scriptures that Paul shared with us and give us four ways that we can learn to be contented. Four ways. Four ways to learn. Learn to be content. And so number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, I can learn to appreciate what I have. I can learn to appreciate what I have. And this closing portion of this letter that Paul is writing, he's basically writing a thank you note for the financial support that the, Philippian, the church in Philippians has given to him. And he worked into his letter here a moment where he began to say, thank you for what you've done, and he was appreciating them. And so I believe what appreciation does is it helps shift our perspective on life. Appreciation helps us see what we have, like what we have, enjoy what we have. And so appreciation is a big part of learning to be content in what we have. Some of you may have heard about my recent little trip to the ER last Sunday. And in this trip, it, uh, in this visit to the ER, I had a little bit of a perspective change. And when you go through something similar to what I did, it tends to change your perspective on how you view things and what you appreciate. So for some of you that don't know, last Sunday morning, early in the morning, like at 4 a.m., I began to have what I thought was a heart attack, and I had chest pains, and, and my breathing was, was hard, it was difficult, and so Harriet took me to the ER. Now, listen, maybe I'm over, you know, making this a little over dramatic or something, just to be honest, but for about an hour, I really thought I was going to die. There was a moment while I was at home, I was kind of holding my, my chest, and I thought, this is it. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is where it ends, right here. And so, yes, maybe it's a little drama here, but um, listen, I really thought that. Now, fortunately, praise God, it turns out I did not have a heart attack, and I was diagnosed with something called pleurisy, which is swelling and like in the tissues around your lungs and your chest, and, and it swells and it puts pressure and pain on you, and it feels like you're really having a serious problem, potentially a heart attack. So thank God I'm 100% fine, I'm 100% healed today, and there's nothing wrong with me. But for about an hour, though, during the middle of all that, uh, I was, I was you know, thinking, this is it. And in that moment, I was not thinking about things like, um, you know, how aggravated I get at wearing a mask. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about, did I have the latest iPhone or not? I wasn't thinking about any of those things. I was thinking mainly about family. That's what all my heart was just sitting there, and I was pondering, 
you know, like, if this is my final hour, have I been a good dad? Have I been a good husband? And so perspectives change in those moments. So I had a, a perspective change. Praise God, I'm healthy. And I want to take that experience, though, and, and kind of let the perspective stay changed. And so today what I'm working on is renewing my mind and saying and, and speaking to myself out of that new perspective that I'm really glad to be alive. I I'm just, I'm just want to appreciate the things that I have. I want to enjoy the people that are in my life. I like what Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 9 says. It says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what you have. Solomon wrote this and he's saying to us, he said, enjoy what you have. Don't miss out on enjoying what you have by wishing you had more or something else. We can miss the joy of the moments when we are always thinking about what we don't have. And so what great advice for us is to learn to appreciate what we have. I don't think life has to be perfect for it to be good. If you're waiting for life to be perfect, to be happy, you're never going to be happy. You don't need everything in your life to change to be happy. If you're waiting for something to change to be happy, you're just going to be stuck for a long time in being unhappy. So here's a perspective that I'm trying to work through, and I'll say it to you, and this is what I'm kind of declaring over my life, but life is good, and I'm working to make it better. I'm happy now, and I'm going to be happy later. Like, I want to enjoy the life. I want to enjoy what's right in front of me right now. I don't want to have to wait for the guidelines to change to be happy. I don't want to have to wait for the virus to be completely eradicated before I'm happy. I don't want to wait for anything else to have to change before I choose joy. And I want to encourage you to do the same. Let's, let's just choose today that life is good. Just, just say it. Life is good. Hey, do me a favor, because I love to see your stuff online. If you're there, write in the comments there. Life is good. Go ahead and proclaim it. Life is good. You can say it today even without everything having to change because you can start appreciating what you have to do, have today. So amen, church. Hey, the second thing that we can learn about contentment is I can learn to value people more than possessions. I can learn to value people more than possessions. Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4.10. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, and you'll see this is highlighted, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul appreciated the gift that they gave him, no doubt about it, but he was most appreciative of the relationship. He was most appreciative that these, this church in Philippi was concerned about him, that he had friends that cared, friends that were lifting him up, friends who were, who were with him in the fight and in the battle. He valued the relationship and the concern that they had for him. He valued that. That was what was important to him. That particular value of having people that cared for him actually helped him be content in life. And that's what good friends can do in your life. If we're missing those good relationships, then I think life feels heavier. I think life is more difficult. We were created to need people in our life. We were created to, to pull on those relationships in, in healthy ways, but to, 
to be able to lean into one another, to be able to pray for one another, to be able to strengthen one another. Relationships are really important to us. Friendships are a gift or a treasure that's more valuable than the stuff we have. I like to say it like this, that friends should double your celebrations, meaning that when something is good in your life, you have people to celebrate. They take your celebration and they double it with their celebration. I think friends also can half the difficulties in our life, meaning that your friends, when you're going through a hard time, they, they rally to you, they pray for you, they lift you up, they call you. The Apostle Paul said he was uh, rejoicing because they were concerned for him. It's so helpful to have people in our life that are concerned for us. We need a community of Christians. We need the body of Christ. We need people who are concerned for us. We also need people that we are concerned for. It's basically a relationship is a two-way street, whether it's in your marriage or whether it's in your church. And so we not only need people to care for us, but we need to be caring for others. That's what makes the whole thing work together. So relationships, they can sustain you. They can help strengthen you in a way that possessions can't do it. Right now in our current place of church life and how we're having to do limited seating and, and in some ways it's unsafe for people to even attend church right now, especially those who are older and which is why we're doing online sermons and online services to help us stay connected to in the best possible way. But I understand right now people do feel isolated and they feel um, out of touch with others and and it's a, it's a real issue. It's a, it's a real ongoing problem that many people are experiencing, and all of us are experiencing in some way. So I wanted to give you a quick suggestion uh, just to kind of help through this season. Uh, right now, I would encourage you, if you're, if you're someone that feels isolated or any of those types of kind of ways where you feel out of touch, I would encourage you to reach out to someone and show concern. You take that first step. You go ahead and, and begin to to pray for others and support others and, and send someone a text, call someone, let them know that you care about them. You take that first step. Rather than kind of retreating and thinking that no one's caring for you, go ahead and come out of that and begin to reach out to others because relationships, they always require effort on everyone's part. And so if you feel like you've been missed, instead of kind of retreating, step back in and start calling others and praying for others and reaching out to others. Another thing I would encourage you with through this season, because church is supposed to be one of the places we enjoy the strong community and the friendships, and currently with this COVID crisis, it's really hard to experience community. And I just want to encourage you in this season is to, to not let the enemy lie to you during the season and, and tell you that, that no one cares. Don't let the enemy isolate you away and pull you out because in some way you haven't felt like people have reached out to you. Uh, don't, don't give the enemy that kind of ground in your life. Uh, give grace to others that are in your small group. Give grace to others that lead, serve teams. Give grace to your staff. In other words, instead of like pulling away, go ahead and begin to re-engage in the best way possible in your life. And if you haven't heard from our church in some way, uh, it, it, there's a possibility that we don't have your phone number. There's a possibility we have the wrong number, a wrong digit, maybe a wrong email or something like that because we have 
sincerely tried our very best to stay in touch with as many people as possible through phone calls, through emails. Uh, we have a, a pre-service Zoom uh, meeting that people are getting on. Uh, we prepare videos and send out. So uh, we do have some in-person services. And so we're doing all we can. And if you've missed an email or something from us, would you do me a huge favor? Would you reach back to us and let us know that we've missed you? Uh, in some way, we haven't been able to connect with you. Because I want you to know that's not our heart. We never want to uh, miss anybody. We never want to uh, skip a name, a person, because you matter in our life. You matter to our church. And so if some way you haven't heard from us, there's just a mistake, it's not intentional, would you reach to us and let us know so we can reach back and help build and just support your life in any way possible. So listen, we need each other. We really do. I know it's a tough season with what's going on, but we need each other. We certainly need each other way more than possessions. So reach out to a friend this week and show them that you care. So awesome. So the third point about how we can learn contentment. Let's keep moving. Number three, I can learn that possessions are not the key to happiness. I can learn that possessions are not the key to happiness. In Philippians chapter 4.12, Paul says this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, Paul says, I know what it is to be poor, and I know what it is to be rich. Paul says, I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. He said, whether well-fed or hungry... In other words, he knows the difference between eating ramen noodles and eating ribeye steak. <laughs> He's had them both. Uh, Paul said, whether living in plenty or in want, he knows the difference between the poorhouse and the penthouse, and he's been in both. He knows it. What Paul is saying is, though, I don't have to have the things to be happy. My circumstances don't have to change for me to be happy, and that's what Paul is teaching us, that we don't need things to change. Our possessions are not what make us happy. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, 15, it says that, uh, and these are Jesus' words, but he said, then he said, beware. In other words, take caution, listen up, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured. That's not the measurement of life. So be careful to not allow desires for more things to dominate your life. Now, it's not wrong to accumulate possessions, I think you should build a large bank account. I'm all for that. I'm working on that in my own life. I encourage my children to do that. I encourage everyone to, to set aside and save and, and prepare for the future. I would encourage you to do that. It's just smart. That's the way to live. The issue isn't the amount of possessions that you own. It's about how much your possessions own you. And so we don't want to be driven or dominated by having to have more. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35, it says, You should remember these words of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The blessing is in the giving and not just in the having. I've always been of the opinion that we are blessed to be a blessing. I believe God blesses us so we, we can bless others. The joy isn't in the in the having of possessions, it's in using them to honor the Lord, to bless the Lord with what we have. And if our possessions don't possess us, then we can freely and joyfully be generous with all that God wants us to do with His money. It's all His anyway. We're just stewards of what He has. And so 
God has blessed us to be a blessing. Possessions are not the key to happiness. Now, there is a temptation to think that way. I get it. We've all been there. We probably have some element of that in us today. But possessions uh, are, are not what make us happy. As long as you think that you have to have a little bit more to be happy, then you're going to be in a cycle that never gets happy. You'll never satisfy hunger for more. If you think that like the next stage of life, when I finally get to this next stage, then I'll be happy. Well, you'll never get to the final stage. There's always a new stage. If, if you think that the next level of growth in my business or if I think the, the next level of growth in our church, when we finally reach that, then I'll be happy or then I'll feel successful. Well, listen, you'll never reach the end of wanting more if that's your mindset. If you're thinking, well, when my baby finally gets out of diapers, then I'll be happy. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a given. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> um, hey, listen, when life, maybe you've said this, when life gets back to normal, then I'll be happy. Listen, if you're just always driven for more, you'll never be happy. A discontented life is continually striving for more, needing something to change before we're happy. That's an exhausting life. It's an unhappy life, and you'll never reach the fulfillment of wanting more. And so we need to remember that, that we just need to... Um, Remember that possessions are not the key to happiness. Amen. Amen. The fourth point is our final point today. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. I can learn to depend and trust God in every situation. God doesn't give us a command without the power to accomplish it. I love that God doesn't guide us without providing for us. In this sense, he's providing the strength for us to do it. When Paul says in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, this verse is in context to the difficulty he was currently in. And so what I want to do is just kind of change a couple words in this text and maybe make it a little more un easily understood for what we're currently going through. And so when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I think you could say it like this. I think you could say, I can do the hard things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do the hard things. I can get through the hard days. I can get through the hard situations through Christ who gives me strength. It's through him that gives me strength to do the hard things. I think you could say it like this. I think you could say, I'm ready for anything that life throws at me because I have the strength of Christ inside of me. And so that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about you can do anything, meaning you can go through the hard, you can go through the good. But if you have to have Christ inside of you, you can go through anything and get through it. And so I want to encourage you today to have a, what I would call a can-do spirit. Can-do spirit. Paul said that I can do all things. I can do anything. I can do the hard. I can do the good. Paul said I have a can-do spirit. Now, it's not his strength. Now, he's partnering with God, but it's through the spirit of the Holy Spirit. It's the strength of Jesus inside of him. Being content isn't about like just being more disciplined and, and suppressing your desires. Like that would be a miserable life. Paul is doing his part, but what he's saying is if you'll trust God and if you'll pull on the strength of the Holy Spirit inside of you, if you'll lean into the relationship with Christ, you can get through anything. And so church, I want you to know you can do it. 
you can get through whatever you're going through because you have Christ in your life. There's a popular Christian quote that's out there, and honestly, I don't like it a whole lot. There is some truth to it, and I'm going to share this quote with you, and then I want to kind of tell you what I think about it. And the quote is this, that God is more interested in making your life holy than he is about making your life happy. Um, I've heard that so many times. I've seen it so many times. I've probably quoted it before. And I think there's some real truth into that, that God is working on our holiness more than our happiness, maybe. But I only think it's half true, to be honest. I think that's just a half true quote. I think God wants you equally holy and happy. God does not want you to be happy. I think he wants you holy and happy. And I think we can be both. And I think that's why Paul was saying that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul is talking about, that in every circumstance, he can rise above his circumstances and be joyful and happy in every circumstance. In other words, it's Christ, it's his power and his will to help Paul be happy in every circumstance. So I believe that God wants you happy. I believe he wants you holy. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to rise above your circumstances and not wait for something to change before you're happy. You can be happy today. And that's what Paul is teaching us. If God is in a good mood, then I think God wants you in a good mood. I think we need to be in a good mood. I think we need to change our mood. We need to change how we feel inside regardless of the circumstances around us. And so let me give you a final thought from the book of Philippians as we close out this amazing book, four chapters of the book of Philippians. Uh, Let me close with this final verse because I believe that when you really do trust God, I believe when you choose to be content in every situation, I believe when when you are content in your possessions, then we can have what Paul has. And Paul said in Philippians 4.19, he said, And this same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I believe contentment qualifies us for more blessings. I believe it qualifies us. First of all, you need to know that God's glorious riches isn't just about your basic needs to survive in life. Of course, God cares about your basic needs, but I believe that God wants, uh, I believe God um, wants um, for you to have increase so that you can do more for the kingdom of God. I believe it's about what God needs for you to have in order for you to do what he wants you to do. And so I don't think it's just about um, basic needs. I believe God wants to richly provide for you. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9, verse 8, it says, God will generously provide Say generous, like I believe that's what God, generously provide all you need. Then you'll have everything you need and plenty left over, what? To be a blessing to others. And so I really believe that contentment is, is, is somewhat of a qualifier in your life for God to bring greater blessings into your life. If you genuinely learn to be content right now, if you, if you learn to appreciate what you have right now, if you learn to value people more than possessions right now, if you learn to be happy and generous with what you have right now, if, if you learn to trust and depend on Christ right now more than anything else in your life, then God can trust more into your life. He can trust you with the more. Amen, church. Listen, we want to choose contentment today 
Contentment is the secret to finding joy today. And so I want to encourage you, choose contentment, choose joy today. Don't wait for things to change. Who knows when things will change? Who knows when new normal comes back? Who knows? We have no idea. If you wait, you may be waiting a lifetime before you're happy again. Let's choose joy today. And I believe that's Paul's heart for this book of Philippians that he wrote. Amen, church. Listen, I love you. Thanks for tuning in today. And I'm so honored you're with us. Uh, I want to close with a declaration today. And so as I close with this declaration, would you just kind of quieten your, um, you know, your surroundings for a minute? Maybe if the kids are running around, have them sit down for just a minute. I just want to minister this to you. And so open your heart up. And so I'm just going to declare God's word, a, a statement of faith of your life. And so, so here we go. You ready? Here we go. I declare that you are grateful for who God is in your life and for what he has done. You will not take for granted the people, the opportunities, and the favor he has blessed you with. You will thank him for what you have and not complain about what you don't have. You will see each day as a gift from God. Your heart will overflow with praise and gratitude for all of his goodness. And with the strength of Christ, you can be happy and joyful in every situation. I declare that you are joyful. I declare that you are happy. And I declare that you are in a good mood. And that's my faith declaration over you today. Church, I love you. Have a great day. And let's all choose joy. God bless.